The 103rd Psalm is our scripture reading this evening. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfy thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But, The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the sacred scripture, inspired and infallible. The text for the sermon is verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ,
Do you ever talk to yourself whether inaudibly so that no one hears or audibly so that others could hear and whether in brief remarks or a kind of extended conversation probably all of us in one way or another talk to ourselves and doesn't that indicate the fact that God made us as social creatures and we need communication we need communication so that we will even talk to ourselves so that we can talk and so that we can listen Now, when God made man in the beginning, he made him different from all of the angels. He created man in his own image so that man was able to know God and love God and speak to God as God spoke to him. And then man fell into sin, but God did not leave man alone. Wouldn't that have been awful if God left us alone? He didn't. In the Lord Jesus Christ, he came, he established a covenant with his people. And now in that covenant of grace, God speaks to us. And we speak to God in worship and in prayer and in singing. And in the covenant, we speak to one another in the communion of saints. And sometimes we talk to ourselves And that's not so strange biblically. Probably the outstanding biblical example of a man talking to himself in the New Testament is the certain rich man of Jesus' parable in Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 16. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. The text we consider tonight is the antithetical parallel to that one in Luke chapter 12. Parallel because both men address their own soul. They talk to themselves. Parallel, but antithetical because while the man in Luke chapter 12 spoke to himself in a sinful way, in the text tonight we have the psalmist David speaking to himself in a God-glorifying kind of way. We have a psalm tonight, and in the psalms, God speaks to us, and in the psalms, we take them and we speak to God, and in this psalm, we have David speaking to himself. So while the rich man said, soul, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry, David says, soul, bless the Lord. So what we have in the text is a personal exhortation of the believer to himself, exhorting himself to bless the name of Jehovah. So do you talk to yourself? 
While you might initially be a bit hesitant to acknowledge that before anyone, supposing they might think you're a bit crazy, biblically speaking, the child of God does. He speaks to himself, and tonight, an exhortation to our own soul. So let's consider this passage of sacred scripture tonight, exhorting myself to bless Jehovah. That's our theme First, the meaning of this. Second, the importance of this. And third, the activity of this. There's nothing complicated in the text tonight. It's very simple, very easy for anyone, even the children, to understand. Simple, but is it our practice? So may God use his word to make the activity of David mine and yours. So first of all, the meaning of the text. In the text, we have three fundamental elements. First of all, the object that we bless. And then secondly, the blessing of that object. And then third, the source of the blessing of that object. So let's begin with the object that we bless, which is God. And the text teaches us three things about our God. Number one, he is Jehovah in the text, Lord in all capital letters. That's the covenantal name of God. So that we read in verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul. The Lord, Jehovah, is God. He is the only God, and he is the covenant God in himself eternally, and then he realizes his own covenant outside of himself with his people so that in Jesus Christ, he takes unto himself all of his elect people. He gives them promises. I will bless you. I love you. I will care for you, protect you, glorify you, and one day take you to heaven to live with me forever and ever. And because his name is Jehovah, I am that I am, the God who never changes Every promise he makes is steadfast and sure. There is none like Jehovah the Lord. Secondly, the text teaches us that the name of our God is holy. We read that in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, to be holy is to be separated from everything else and devoted for some special use. So that in the Old Testament, there was all of that furniture of the tabernacle, and it was holy, like the table of showbread, because that furniture was separated from all other furniture unto a special use, which was worship in the house of the Lord. Now we have the name of Jehovah, which name is the revelation of our great God, and that name is separated from everything else for a special use. So that if you take all of the names that have ever been named in the history of the world, Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, Seth, their wives, their children, we don't know all their names, keep going, David, Solomon, every name, name the name of Gabriel, Michael, the angels in the heavens, Satan himself. 
wicked men like Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar, wicked women like Athaliah into the New Testament and Peter, James, and John, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Ulrich Zwingli, Adolf Hitler, Anne Frank, Osama bin Laden, Joseph Biden, Nancy Pelosi, my name, your name, take every name that has ever been named in the history of the world, and now you take the name Jehovah and you separate it from all those names and lift it up for special use, the name that is to be praised. Not only separated from sin, holy, but separated from everything and everyone, the name of the Lord, Jehovah. Jehovah, whose name is holy, and now third, the text teaches us about our God as the object of our blessing, that He is the God of benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. This is the main teaching of the text about our God. There are many verses in the Bible that reveal Him as Jehovah, that reveal His name as holy. The main teaching of this text is that He's the God of benefits. Benefits. Now isn't that attractive to all of us? Suppose you're looking for a job and this company's advertising a position and here's the package of benefits. The health care, the dental insurance, a Christmas bonus, all these incentives. Now that's attractive benefits. How much more attractive are the benefits of Jehovah God? He's the only. He's the eternal. He's the overflowing. He's the loving source and fountain of all good things. All His benefits. And now the psalmist David will begin stringing them out for just a little bit, one by one, so that verse 3 continues, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? That's blessing number one. God forgives. There's nothing like forgiveness. And David knows that from experience. To be a man who's living in sin and who doesn't know the forgiveness of God, but does know the heavy hand of God upon him, making him miserable, doesn't matter if you're a king. Doesn't matter if you're richer than anyone else in the whole of the world. You're miserable. There's no blessing like forgiveness. When God declares to you, I pardon I pardon all your iniquities. You're right with me. Forgiveness. And he keeps stringing them out. Who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who you have a crown, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. All these blessings. Go to the Bible from Genesis and read it through all the way to the end of Revelation. How many different blessings, blessings in your soul, blessings in your life, blessings in your home, blessings in your church, blessings in your school. Who can count all the blessings of Jehovah God? If the universe were a barn, 
Go that way as far as you can through all the galaxies. And go that way as far as you can to the distant reaches through all of the galaxies. Take the whole universe as a barn. It's not big enough to contain all the blessings of Jehovah God. One blessing, heaven, heaven, the new world, the new heavens, and the new earth that so far exceeds the glory of this earthly creation that the barn of this universe would have to be taken down and rebuilt in order to hold all the blessings of Jehovah God, everlasting blessings, benefits. And all those benefits are concentrated in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The text emphasizes that when you read the name Lord in verse 1 and verse 2, all capital letters, we know that as Jehovah. Now, if you go into the New Testament and start reading, you won't find that name. But you do find J-E-S-U-S. And even the little children learn and understand that the name J-E-S-U-S Jesus means Jehovah's salvation, the Lord's salvation. So when you read the Lord in the Old Testament, all capital letters, that name appears in the New Testament as Jesus. So when you read the Lord in the Old Testament, you need to see the name Jesus in there. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And now David starts stringing out all of these benefits, but he doesn't name them as such. Forgiveness and healing and redemption and a crown, but the God of the benefits. So that he says, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth and who healeth and who and so on. Our God in Jesus Christ is the God of all these benefits. Now what's more is that in the person of Jesus Christ, everything that God does is a benefit for his people. That's brought out in the text by the fact that the word benefit literally means deed, action, what God does. And forget not all his doings, all his deeds, all his actions. Everything God does is a benefit for his people. So should God come to you and strike you so that you howl? That's his benefit. Should God lift you up above your brethren? That's his benefit for you. Should God come and make your way so, so dark and perplexing so that you throw up your hands and you say, Why, O oh God, thy way is in the sea, O oh God? Why? Through mighty waters deep and broad. Why? None understood but God alone. Why? To man, to me, thy footsteps are unknown. Why? That's God's benefit for you. Or should God make your way straight and smooth, light everywhere, and many good things? That's his benefit for you. 
Should God bring a man into your path like Shimei on David's path to curse him, that's God's benefit for you. Should God bring a man into your life who speaks well of you and favors you, that's God's benefit for you. Should God give to you a little crumb of stale bread, this is your daily bread today. Should he give ravens who drop little morsels of bread, that's your daily bread today. Or should God give you lobster and steak and a vast table of many good things, that's his benefit to you. Everything that God does is a benefit for his people. Nothing that God does harms his people. All his benefits. That's not true for all men, but only for those who are in Christ. Because the benefit is the Lord Jesus Christ, whom God gave his own son, who by his blood reconciled us unto God. And because we're reconciled unto God, now everything God does in your life is a benefit for you. All his benefits. The object we bless, Jehovah, whose name is holy, is the God of benefits. Now the blessing of that object. So that the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. In order to understand the idea of blessing, it would be good for us to understand what it means to curse, the opposite. To curse is to speak against someone desiring and pursuing their destruction. God curses. Proverbs 3, verse 33, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. Isn't that terrifying? That God goes into the house of the wicked man and he speaks against that man and he desires and he pursues the destruction of that man. Or look at that cross where the Lord Jesus is hanging and God brings his curse there and he speaks against that one so that he dies under the wrath of God in body and soul. Isn't that terrifying? The curse of God God curses, and man curses. Man curses God, speaks against God, desires, and it's so futile, pursues the destruction of God. And God sits on his throne in the heavens, and he laughs man to scorn, and will have him in derision, to curse. Its opposite is to bless. Bless the Lord. God blesses. Now, isn't that lovely? He did that. Grace and mercy and peace be unto you. That was his blessing at the outset of the service. He speaks well of us and for us, and he desires and he pursues our well-being, our prosperity. He blesses. But now in the text... We bless God. Bless the Lord, 
O my soul. We speak well of God and the name of God. And though we can't add to his being, and we can't enhance his being, and we can't prosper him or advantage him in any way, we speak well of the name of God, and that is the verbal expression of the desire of our heart that he be acknowledged, that he be adored, that he be magnified and praised. Bless him. And the word blessing literally means to kneel down before so that blessing comes to expression in the child of God when he falls down before God in humility and says, I am not and no man is, but thou art worthy, O God, of all praise. Bless the name of the Lord. The object we bless, the blessing of that object, and now to understand the meaning of the text, the third element is the source. Not the ultimate source, but the source of the blessing of God. And that's the soul. Verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And David's now referring to the whole of his internal life so that he goes on to say, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. To be sure, we bless God in all of the life that we live in the body so that the Old Testament saint would take his bullock, his lamb, his offering, and he would bring it to the temple to the praise of God's name. And today we take our offerings and we bring them into God's house to the praise of his name. And we will praise God in our preaching, our reading, our singing, our giving, our praying, our parenting in the home, our work in the workplace, in the consistory room, as we serve on the school board, in all that we do, living for the praise of God's name. But David goes deeper. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Because what if all the worship and the serving and the working and all the activity is hypocrisy? It's an outward show, it's vain religion. It's dead orthodoxy. And that's the great threat. That's the great danger for my soul and for your soul and for the souls of this church and for the souls of all of our churches and for the souls of those in all God's churches the world over and going all the way back to David all through history, back to David, and all the way back to the fall of Adam. The perennial threat and danger for the soul is that what happens externally in the body is but an outward show. And so David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. The threat and danger is that we go to the temple to worship God with a soul that doesn't soar 
but that cleaves to the dust with a spirit that doesn't break over our own sins, with a heart that doesn't believe in God, that we close our eyes and we bow our heads to pray unto God, but the mind is at work, the mind is at vacation, or the mind is at the game, or the mind is thinking about the new clothing and the wardrobe that we just bought, or the great threat is that we stand up to sing, and the only thing that moves us is the beauty of the music, but... There is no affection for God in the heart. That we go to work on Monday morning and we do not delight in the Lord our God. and We do not live for the gratitude that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ. Or even worse, on Friday night we go to a party and get drunk. And we curse and swear. And on Saturday we mistreat someone. And we slander someone. And then Sunday morning we put on a dress, we put on a suit, and we sit down in the pew like a good worshiper. But what about that soul? And so moved by the Spirit, David says not, Bless the Lord, O my tongue, and O my hands and feet and the whole of my body, but bless the Lord, O my soul, that my soul may be full of faith and repentance, that my soul may be full of fervency and conviction and enthusiasm and love and love and much love for Jehovah God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, because God requires more than bullocks and lambs and all kinds of offerings, a pile of money that one could give. All through the Old Testament, the great threat was that you draw nigh unto me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. No, says David, no. And so he goes before God, and then he exhorts himself before God, saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me. That no part of my internal spiritual life is excluded. All for him. Suppose David has 20,000 soldiers. And he summons them. Come to battle, O my soldiers. And all the soldiers within my army come to battle now. And 19,999 of them come. And David says, stop. Where is he? One man who has not yet come. He's back home. Come to battle, O my soldiers. And all the soldiers in my army come to battle now. Now you go into the soul, all the thousands of thoughts and the thousands of inclinations and the thousands of desires and the thousands of imaginations, not one, not one permitted to be one of lust, of unbelief, of pride. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name.
All of this is David's personal exhortation to himself. It's a very important exhortation. Aside from any of the words of the text, the form of the text indicates how important it is. For in the text we have synonymous parallelism. That means in verse 1 we have a statement. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then a parallel statement that basically says the same thing. And all that is within me bless his holy name. Verse 2, parallelism. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And now another statement, basically saying the same thing. And forget not all his benefits. In each verse, parallelism. But then we also have verse 1 and verse 2, which are themselves parallel. So that we have four statements in the text, and they're all saying basically the same thing. One, two, three, four. If something said four times, oh, how important it is. Why is it so important? That with David we exhort ourselves to bless the name of the Lord. First, in gratitude. We are always tempted to forget God. And so David even explicitly says in verse 2, and forget not all his benefits. Prosperity is very dangerous. When all the tribes of the Lord have been united and the ark has been brought up to the top of Mount Zion and all the tribes go up together to the top of Mount Zion for worship, And no one's hunting David. No one's seeking his life. He's the king and the leader of the people. The Philistines are subdued. All the Canaanite nations around are subdued. None of the soldiers are off to battle. They're all with their families coming to worship atop Mount Zion. If you look out, the fields are golden with grain, ready to be taken in. The barns will be bursting with all of the goodness of the field. Everything shouts prosperity. That's dangerous because the inclination of Israel is to forget God. Because why do we need God if we have everything? And when there's a minister on every single pulpit, not one vacancy, and when there's only one consistory meeting a month, And it's short and routine. And when all the reports coming back from family visitation are now, while, of course, there may be a stray soul here and a stray soul there, by and large, the congregation's flourishing and people are happy. And when the classical and the synodical meetings are short, and when the church visitors really have no case of which to speak, and when there's pure doctrine and it's taught and loved and the people are dwelling together in peace and unity, the inclination is to forget him. Because if we have everything, why do we need God? To forget him. And forgetting him, we show just how unthankful we are. And isn't that awful? 
Ingratitude is so, so wicked. Sometimes we act like the most thankless wretches in the entire universe that God has given to us so, so many benefits and we don't see them. We're blind to them or we want to be blind to them. I don't want to see them. All I want to see is my problem. All I want to see is this issue. Don't talk to me about God's benefits. I don't want to see them or talk about them. Sometimes we are so unthankful and we forget God. We don't forget ourselves. If you had some grand vacation plan for a full week somewhere, you don't wake up on, let's say, Wednesday morning and say, wait a minute. Weren't we going to go on vacation this week? You've never forgotten a vacation. We don't forget ourselves. But Jehovah, whose name is holy, who has all these benefits, we forget him. That he elected us when others were reprobated. That he forgives us when others die in their sins. That he gave us his own son. We forget him and we show just how unthankful we are within. And even worse than forgetting him, we remember him, but complain against him and charge him with wrong instead of bringing thanks to him. Because that's a danger, a perennial danger through all the ages of the covenant. How important it is to be moved by the Holy Spirit as David was and to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, in gratitude. Second, pride. We're always tempted to bless ourselves and rewrite the text. Bless me, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless me. Bless me, O my soul, and forget not all my goodness, soul, Look at your family. Look at all your children and your grandchildren in the church. And they don't have that. And they don't have that because they haven't been as faithful as you, soul. Your name should be set apart. Bless me, O my soul. Soul, you're such a good member of the church. You've never had the elders come and talk to you or admonish you. Not like so and so. Your name should be set apart. Soul, you're not a Philistine. You're an Israelite. You're not a Roman Catholic. You're Reformed. And that's, that's because you've made many good decisions in your life. You deserve to be recognized. Soul, you've done so much. You've donated so much to the church. You've donated so much to the school. You've worked worked so industriously and faithfully with your hands. You need to tear down your barns and build bigger barns. You have so much. Soul, take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Soul, you've done so many good things that God would be unjust if he did not justify you because of what you've done and give you a seat higher than everyone else in heaven because of what you've done. 
That pride in the rich man of Luke chapter 12 is the same pride that can appear in my flesh and your flesh and in David's flesh. Pride. And it's abominable. Even the first inclination toward a haughty spirit is wrong. So, so wrong. That we would have ourselves blessed and praised rather than God and because of that ongoing threat of pride how important it is that the spirit keep moving us to say bless the Lord O my soul third and finally Unbelief. Unbelief makes this personal exhortation so important. And when it comes to unbelief, there's first of all all that unbelief out there Philistines, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, Assyrians, Babylonians. And God gives them many good things same rain, same sunshine, same health, maybe even better health. Same material, maybe even better material prosperity. They don't bless the name of the Lord. They curse him. And that reveals the perversity of their wicked, unbelieving hearts. All this unbelief around Israel and around the church of God in the world today. And that unbelief makes it so important that David say, Bless the Lord, O my, my soul. Because I belong to God's covenant and God must have a witness in the world. There must be a light in this darkness. I bear the name of Jesus. So in the midst of all this unbelief, soul, bless thou the Lord. But there's also unbelief within. Within Israel. Within the church visible. They are not all Israel which are of Israel, there's carnal seed in the church. There are tares among the wheat who live as hypocrites until the time God exposes them in their confession and or walk and they show themselves to be unbelieving in the sphere of the covenant. And it's the presence of that unbelief that makes it very important that David say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. But third, there's unbelief in this soul, David's soul. David is a believer. That's his identity. He is not an unbeliever. I am a believer. That's my identity. I am not an unbeliever. You, child of God, are a believer. That's your identity. You are not an unbeliever. But though we Believers like David are believers. We still have this flesh 
this thoroughly corrupt flesh that cleaves to us until the day we die and that flesh is teeming with unbelief. And sometimes that flesh within us is so powerful that for a little while in our life as believers, we live in unbelief and we are not consciously exercising faith in God. We're not believing. We're not trusting. We're not holding for truth what he has revealed in his word. And there can be many evidences of that unbelief. And one of them is bitterness. I'm bitter. And I murmur. And I complain against God. God says in his word, I love you. And all that I do, I do well. And all that I do for you in your life is a benefit for you. But I'm bitter. And I'm angry. And I'm murmuring. Why? It is because I don't believe. Right now, in these circumstances... I do not believe what God says in his word that all I do for you is good in love for you and so I'm bitter. Because of that great threat of unbelief here or there in my own soul says David how important it is that I exhort myself saying Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, so that there's not any evidence of unbelief, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Our activity, then, is to exhort ourselves to bless the Lord. Notice three things about this activity. Number one, it's a personal activity. The most beautiful and striking aspect of this text is that it contains a personal exhortation of the believer to himself. Certainly, we give exhortations to others to praise and thank the Lord so that the minister says, Congregation, bless the Lord. And the elders come on family visitation and they say to all the members of the family, Family, Look up. Bless the Lord. And the teachers in the schoolroom and the parents in the home, they take all of the children and they say, Children, look up and bless the name of the Lord. And everywhere we go, whoever's around us, bless the name of the Lord. But before we ever open our mouths and exhort anyone anywhere to bless the name of the Lord, we with David speak to ourselves and say, Soul, bless thou the Lord. When you wake up, bless the Lord, O my soul. And when you have lunch, bless the Lord, O my soul. And when you retire in the evening, bless the Lord, O my soul. And when you're being tempted to look, to touch, 
to speak. When you're being tempted, stop. And you think about that this week. Stop. And you exhort yourself and say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. I'm not looking. I'm not touching. I'm not speaking. That. Bless the Lord, O my soul. A personal exhortation. Second, as to the activity of this exhortation, notice that it's performed most effectively by singing. This is a psalm. Part of the collection of the 150 psalms that God gave his people to sing. It's when we sing, especially when we come together in the temple in God's church to worship him publicly, and we sing together the psalms, we not only exhort and admonish one another, but it's especially then that we are exhorting ourselves to bless the Lord. He's a fool. She's a fool who separates himself, herself from the body of the church to live independently and does not gather with the saints in worship and in song. It's especially there in song and in the proclamation of the word that the spirit takes the soul and he directs it unto the Lord so that we bless the name of of the Lord. And then that carries through into our home and into our lives. How powerful is music and the songs of the Lord to stir the heart. Third and finally tonight, this activity flows out of the source. And the source is not my soul, David's soul, or your soul, but the ultimate source is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one thing to say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and that's a work of grace to say it. But it's another thing, actually, to bless him. And that, too, is an extraordinary work of grace that the soul would be consecrated to the praise of the Lord. How can that be when the soul, by nature, it's so corrupt? thoroughly corrupt in unbelief, in pride, and in gratitude. How is it even possible for a human being to sing and to speak as David did and then to have a soul consecrated, not yet in perfection, but consecrated unto God? We need to be planted into the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't the text come to its climax tonight? In his soul, he is the David. He is the king of Israel. He is the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Lord Jesus with his soul. And he lived his whole life exhorting himself, saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. When the Spirit drove him out, it drove him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and the devil said, You bow down before me, and I'll give you all these kingdoms. In that moment of temptation, before he ever spoke to the devil, spoke to himself. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. 
And all throughout his ministry, and when they spit upon him and buffeted him and falsely accused him, kept exhorting himself, Bless the Lord, O my soul. When they nailed him to that cross, and there God came with all the weight of his curse, his word, his effectual word, and he opened up the vials of his wrath, and he poured into the soul of the Lord Jesus Christ all that wrath that I, that David, that you deserve for our ingratitude, for our pride, for our unbelief, for all of our failure to bless the name of the Lord. He poured all that wrath into the soul of the Lord Jesus Christ so that that soul was full of inexpressible anguish, the very torments of hell. How bitter, how miserable, how inexpressible the agony of the Lord crucified on that accursed tree. And even there, even there, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. A perfect soul, perfectly devoted to the Lord. Not one stray thought, desire, or inclination. Now, who is so lovely and beautiful as the Lord Jesus Christ? He's the head. We are the body in him. So tonight, in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's forgiveness for you and all your failure with regard to this passage. And tonight, in the Lord Jesus Christ, his spirit was powerful to move the heart, the soul within, and by the power of that spirit to leave here tonight and to wake up tomorrow morning and you think about that tomorrow and the rest of the week. The power of the spirit within to be able to exhort myself and to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, now take us, take our souls, and consecrate them unto thee. For Jesus' sake, amen.